0: Hey, welcome to the Healing She Got Faith show. I am Lily. I am the founder of Healing She Got Faith, and I am the host of the Healing She Got Faith talk show. Healing She Got Faith is an organization that was created for adults who are dealing with grief and or on their self-love journey. During this talk show, we talk about grief, healing, self-love, but overall, we are encouraging you to love you the way you Love the world. Okay, so thank you all for tuning in. Hey everybody! Happy Monday! It is a Monday after Mother's Day, and I am just here to send you with so much love. I actually recorded this episode on Mother's Day, so you'll get some raw emotions and thoughts and ideas straight from me on Mother's Day. So yes, welcome. Happy Monday. If you're new here, welcome. If you've been following us on this journey, your love, I cannot do this without you. So happy Monday and thanks for being here. And I can't wait to go on through the rest of the episode. All right, guys, catch us in the check-in. All right, so we are in the portion of our check-in, which is usually the first segment of every show that we do here at Healing She Got Faith talk show, okay? So what is the check-in? So the check-in is basically us asking, how are we feeling? And so typically, you'll hear myself, and it, or if I have a guest, we'll always ask that question, like, how are you feeling how are you or something of that nature because before we get started and talking we always want to check in with ourselves. this is throughout life this is just a great way to start your day this is a great way to enter into every situation even before you go to bed how are you feeling and so as you'll see on the show I'll either say how am I feeling or how are you feeling and I'm encouraging you to do the same so enjoy and make sure you're checking in with yourself And we are now in episode 69's check-in. So, welcome to episode 69. How am I feeling in this moment? I actually feel really good. I feel relieved. I feel like I released... Let me tell y'all what I did yesterday. So, yesterday, I actually did some shadow boxing. And I pulled out my inner mom and dad, y'all. And so... My dad, he loved boxing, okay? So, like, my daddy started started this love for boxing for me, okay? And so, like, we used to go to amateur nights. We used to watch boxing matches. And, like, we always wanted to go to, like, a professional boxing match. But he died when I was 15. So, we never got to live out that dream. And so, um, I go into my workouts, which I've been working out with my friend, Corman. So, I go into my workouts. And on Saturdays, she does cardio and shadow boxing. And so, this is my sixth time doing shadow boxing. I am so intimidated by it. So, the first time I ever did it, like, I was like, "Oh, you can't throw a punch, girl. I hope y'all never get into no fight, like, legit. And I remember, like, the last time I legit got into a fight was, like, in the eighth grade. And I'm turning 32 this year. So, do the math, okay? So, um, so I haven't been able to go on Saturdays due to traveling and due to sickness. So, um it's probably been about three weeks since i three or four weeks actually since i've done a shadow boxing okay so i get in there and i'm nervous but today we have partners and so i was super nervous but my partner her name is jen and she was just so sweet like jen is so goofy like every time she comes to class i just be like i love this woman she is so goofy she's silly jen just had a really big loss and so i was not expecting her to be as goofy as she is but even in her loss, like, she was just so loving and so caring and stuff like that. And so I told her, I was like, I'm so nervous. Like, I'm nervous to do this. And she was like, oh. She was like, yeah, I don't think I've ever done shadow boxing here or something like that. And then she was like, but I don't know what I'm doing either. So we're going to get through it. We, You know, we're going to get through it. So Jen was like, whenever she understood something that she could see that I didn't, she would walk me through it. And then I would encourage her. And then, like, the other women in the class would, like, kind of help us out. Because we were struggling. Like, we was the struggling kids yesterday. So, we got through it, and it was such an amazing class from dancing and singing to boxing to exercising to stretching to the warm-up to the cool-down to just joking. Like, it was just such a beautiful class. So, I called my aunt, and I'm like, ooh, I I pulled out my inner Tommy Nolan, and I was boxing today. She said, oh, you was boxing today? And I was like, oh, yeah. And she was like, oh, you know, your mom likes to box. And I was like, Oh my God! Yeah, I have forgot that my mom likes her box, right? And so my aunt was like, "Um, yeah, we used to keep this bozo. Now bozo was old school. If you remember bozo, then like you old school, old school. Okay, bozo was like this red punching bag with a clown suit, and it kind of bounced up and down." Um, it was a little heavy, but not too heavy. But I remember like in my era of growing up, they created another bozo that was just kind of lightweight and it just kind of, you know, it, it bounced up and down. Like it was a boxing thing. But when I was a kid, it more so became more of like a balloon type of thing, like an air type of thing versus like an actual boxing match. And I was like, oh my gosh, I remember having a bozo in the house. And so my mom was like, yeah, like your mom loved boxing. She was like, you remember like, she's like loved to hit things um like she was always practicing her punches and stuff like that and you know just this is just a side note but my mom did have an issue like growing up there were a couple of times where she punched the walls um but nevertheless like you know we can unpack that later um nevertheless like my mom thoroughly enjoyed boxing I remember watching boxing matches with her I remember like it wasn't as like strong as with my dad when it comes to like watching boxing I think that was like um uh, bomb me and him me and him had but i do remember her loving boxing and so i posted something on facebook and a couple people from her childhood was like oh my gosh i remember your mom loved boxing too like she used to fight she used to like always pretend fight like she loved boxing and so um that was kind of forgotten memory but for me it was like i really tuned into my inner parents like I really tuned in and felt a spirit and felt something that connected me to them. And I thought that was so beautiful. On top of, I was outside of my comfort zone. I was doing shadow boxing. I did the class. I did not give up. I didn't walk away because I was uncomfortable. And it was such a good class. So today, waking up to Mother's Day, I feel, whereas, like, Mother's Day is sometimes really, really sad I am extremely comfortable right now, and like it's not even the thought. Like I'm not upset at Mother's Day. I'm not uncomfortable. I don't feel like crying. Like I've really sat in my grief and addressed my trauma and addressed my grief and and addressed everything that has bothered me. And I've really been in a place where I can be comfortable with what I don't and do have. And yesterday, I just released so much like I feel like all that pimp pent-up energy from like 2018 which is the year my mom died was like literally released yesterday so currently I feel good I feel relief um I woke up I still woke up early today I didn't have to wake up early but I did and we're here now like I'm super you know my my check-in is probably one of the most energetic ones I've had in a long time But I definitely, like, released a lot yesterday. I was super proud of myself and felt super connected to both of my parents. So that was pretty cool. So, so excited about that. So I hope you're checking in with yourself. And if you are here on Mother's Day and you are sad and you're not feeling it and you see all the Facebook pictures with people and their moms and stuff like that, just take a break. Give yourself grace take the break turn it off don't look at it you are worthy of your emotions whatever that is They do not have to be energetic and excited like I am I want y'all to hear me when I say this it took me years to get here this was not an overnight thing I have not always been like that I can be quite miserable sometimes this is a work in progress this is constantly checking in with your self-love your healing having those hard conversations having those uncomfortable conversations sometimes you want to have them sometimes you don't want to have them but this is pushing through all that despite everything you're going through so I'm with you I love you and I just want you to know that everything you feel is completely valid and now you are entering into the main course meal of the episode which is the topic so you can always find the topics either in the show notes or on the calendar or on social media but this is the portion where we literally break down the topic and just have a real life discussion of life so Enjoy the episode, hope you take something good from me, always remember to love you the way you love the world. All right, welcome to episode 69, where today we are talking about what is mental health. Now before we start today's episode, I do want to do a disclaimer, where I just want you to know that like anything we talk about does not replace a um, any help from a professional licensed mental health professional therapist, counselor or anything like that. This is strictly for educational purposes and just to sit here and talk to you all about mental health and what it looks like and some stigmas around that. And just understanding like a lot of people don't understand mental health. And so um being a mental health organization, which is what Healing She Got Faith is, yes, we primarily focus on grief. However, like grief and mental health go hand in hand together. And so with me being mental health month, I do want to jump right in here and be able to help you you know understand stuff but please 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 do not take this as something to replace any professional mental health just take it as interesting facts ideas experiences and then of course if you have any questions or if you need help Finding a therapist or counselor, any mental health resources. I do have a resource page. You can always reach out as well. But definitely go talk to your professional mental health person. Okay? All right. Cool. So, yes. We are in episode 69. And so, it is today's title is, What is Mental Health? And so, um, one of the things that I wanted to bring that, one of the reasons why I wanted to talk about this is because May is mental health awareness month right and so i believe that we should be aware of mental health all day every day it should be prevalent what it should be prevalent and um yeah like i believe that you know however it is nice to have months and days and stuff like this like we have social work month we have um like ice cream day and stuff like that and so it's cool to have stuff like that mother's day father's day any any holiday really where yeah theoretically we should do it every single day and that would in a perfect world we would but people got to make money and society got to be society so here we are may is mental health awareness month okay all right so what is mental health uh, mental health is a person's condition with regard to their psychological and emotional well being. You can look that up on Google. The definition will come up on that, okay? And what does that mean? A person's condition with regard to their psychological and emotional well-being. So if you were to go to school for any type of social service, psychology, sociology, social work, um, what's some other ones? Actually, I don't know. But yeah, any of those. Um, you would be introduced to the DSM-5, okay? Um, or I always say DSM-5, but the DSM. And so the DSM is basically the book of all diagnoses. It's basically the book where it's updated, I think every five years, four or five years, and every year they're either adding or taking away diagnoses. And so when you are working in any type of field that has to do with diagnosis, you are using, using this book, you become quite familiar with this book, okay, and so I, um, I ended up, you know, I, I didn't go the clinical route, okay, I didn't go the clinical route, and so, um, And so a lot of people, so I didn't spend a lot of time with the DSM-5. However, because I'm in social work, I do have to be familiar with it. I know I need to know how to locate it. I need to know how to read it. I need to know like what, like what it is. Okay. So the DSM-5 stands for Diagnostic and Statistic Manual of Mental Health, um, basically. Okay. (laughs) Of mental health, okay. So, um, and it's all the mental health diagnoses and all of that, and so that helps professionals like me to be able to help my clients, even, even in grief, like being able to help them because um, we do now we now have grief diagnoses, and so being able to have the book uh DSM of mental disorders. it, it helps a lot. It helps because I can pull it out. I can help you understand what your diagnosis is. So DSM stands for the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. So just remember that. Okay. Anyways, because we just spent way too much time on that. <laughs> I do not want to get caught up in that. Okay. All right. Anyway. So yeah. So the DSM-5 will have all your mental health diagnoses. Okay. So mental health is your condition with regard to that why did I tell you about the DSM-5? Because that is what is going to help us understand what type of mental disorder or diagnosis you have if you are to have one. And so that is typically, again, with therapists, social workers, counselors, and all of us use in order to help our clients because we you need to better understand, but we are here to help you better understand. We're the ones that read these fancy words and all that to help you be better. So mental health is just literally your health in a psychological and emotional way, all right? So that is looking at your emotions. That's even looking at emotional intelligence. That's your psychological. It's seeing how your brain is functioning. It's seeing um, how the chemicals in your brain are functioning, okay? So that's mental health. So just like we have physical health, just like we have financial health, like we have a mental health, and that is what it is. So what is Mental Health Awareness Month? Mental Health Awareness Month is a time to raise awareness of those living with mental or behavioral health issues and to help reduce the stigma of many experiences. So, awareness is bringing attention to a subject. So, we are bringing attention into mental health, okay? There's a lot of stigma when it comes to our mental health. I know it's like, you know, one of the biggest topics right now is like mental health in the church. We can pray it away. Jesus heals all. You know, I remember there was a guy working on my house. I no longer speak to him. He like thoroughly had me messed up. But I remember he made a post on Facebook and was like, y'all, new age people got therapy. I had Jesus. And I remember like him working on my house and me being like, You are so messed up in the head because you feel like you got it figured out. You feel like you got all this. When typically people who typically say that, I find, have the most mental health issues because they never addressed what was actually bothering them, right? So you have no awareness of what's actually going in your head because you feel that you can pray that away. You feel that you can just pray it away and it's gone because God done got you, right? No, that's just not how that works, Okay. God created doctors, God also created therapists and psychologists, let's be for real, thank you, okay, (laughs) so, so, there's a couple things I want to kind of break down, right, so I want to break down mental health awareness, mental health in general, and then mental health illnesses, these terms often um, get substituted for each other, and they all mean something completely different. But a lot of times people feel like they're the same thing. So when we talk about a mental illness, if that is your actual diagnosis of your of your sickness, your disorder, or I like to say diagnosis. I don't I don't like the word disorder. I don't like the word sickness. It is a diagnosis. Okay. So when I that's why I keep saying diagnosis. This was and that's literally the first word in the DSM diagnosis. Okay, or diagnostic. Same thing. Okay. So. Mental Mental illness is a general term for a group of illnesses that may impact a person's thoughts, perceptions, feelings, and behaviors. Mental health issues and illnesses can affect working and it can affect personal relationships. Some of the things that help with this are counseling and medication. And honestly, both of them can actually help you treat your mental illness if you were to get diagnosed with it, have it. So when you think of mental illness, you're thinking of depression, anxiety, ADHD, um, bipolar, schizophrenia, uh, multi-personality disorder, um, even autism. Like when you think about Asperger's, which I think, and I could be wrong, so don't quote me on this, but I think um, like we used to have Asperger's, which is like a form of autism, um, I, I don't think it's actually in the dsm five anymore. Um, I think it used to be, but I think maybe like the last change or the change before that, they actually took Asperger's out. But even that, like that would have been considered a diagnosis um a, a mental health diagnosis, okay? Um, because it does affect the brain. um, it affects like your emotions and things of that nature. So we have a mental illness, which is the actual diagnosis of whatever you have then you have mental health awareness which is bringing attention to all things mental health and then you actually have your personal physical mental health which is how you feel and your current conditions dealing with your psychological and emotional well-being and so we have to be able to distinguish the three because right now people are like oh that's mental health illness or all that's mental health blah blah they all have different definitions. They all correlate with one another, but they all have different definitions. So you have awareness, which brings the attention. You have mental health, which is the the condition in, in that is regarding your psychological and emotional well-being. Then you have a mental health illness, which is the actual diagnosis. Okay. What are some of the things that we can do during mental health awareness? Some of the things that you can do is support a mental health initiative, such as Healing She Got Faith. And one of my other favorite ones is self-care is for everyone. So at healing, here at Healing She Got Faith, we provide grief groups. We talk about um, healing in a holistic way. But I, I want to say I am not a holistic healer. I do like to talk to people about medicines that affect their body. Because especially if you have a mental illness, um, there are certain things that the medicine might do to you. Like I, I don't take mental health um medicine i have been on metformin since i was 15 but like because i've died i have type 2 diabetes so with type 2 diabetes if you do not take care of yourself you do have peculiar mood swings it affects your emotional well-being like literally if you do not take care of your diabetes you can go into having maniac episodes and so that is a real thing so i have learned over the years how important it is to take care of your diabetes because One of the first things that go outside of like losing your eyesight, losing limbs is your mental health because of what's going on in your body. All of this connects your nervous system, your immune system, your brain, all of that stuff connects. So if one aspect is not intact, the rest of it will be affected. Okay. So at Healing She Got Faith, we talk about um, simple things we can do day to day to help us in our grief and help us in our mental health because a lot of times grief can turn into depression. A lot of times grief can turn into your diabetes spiking. A lot of times grief can affect your body. Like with me, when my mother died in 2018, I gained so much weight. Like I, I I think I over-exaggerated, but really like I felt like I had gained like 150 pounds in like four days. Like grief took over my body. I felt empty. I felt like I wasn't even alive. Like I was literally just like, 150 or no at that point like 250 pounds of air like that's all I felt a lot of that had to do with mental health so I had to figure out my mental health I started to have an obsession with death and I wasn't suicidal but like I didn't want to be alive and there I didn't have a plan and I didn't have anything but like there were days where I would be like you know if I don't wake up tomorrow I don't think I'd be the maddest person in the world and I remember going to therapy and talking about that like I don't want to say this out loud because I feel like people would think I'm crazy um like if I don't wake up tomorrow like I don't like I just want my dogs to be taken care of but like I don't think I would be the maddest person in the world if I don't wake up you know, and I'm a type of person, like, I don't think suicide is selfish. So that's like, that's a whole nother conversation for another day. But, um, but a lot of people do feel that and that's because it's scary. A lot of people feel like, um, suicide is just an uncomfortable topic and it, I mean, and it can't be right. But having that authentic conversation and having somebody. So I had a therapist that I could be like, I've just really been in a mood lately and I just don't want to be here, but I don't have a plan. Like I don't want to hurt myself. I don't, I just don't want to be here. And so that's also part of mental health. That's part of not being able to have the right chemicals. And that all plays a factor in like what you're eating, your activity of the day, you know, that's all part of your mental health. And what are you doing on a day-to-day basis to keep yourself to be as functioning as possible? Okay, so you can support Healing She Got Faith. You can join a grief group. You can make a donation. You can um, just find a way to be active. Another great mental health resource that I actually have a partner with is Self Cares for Everyone. And so they actually sell clothes they work with local artists, they create these clothes, and then they donate a certain percentage to mental health initiatives. And so they also have a resource page. Their resource page is way bigger than mine is, um, but they send you text messages, affirmations. Their clothes are so fun to wear because it's all about um, just like, keeping yourself alive and just really feeding yourself and and addressing and being honest with how you feel I wear like literally my wardrobe is literally like nothing but their clothes and so we actually have a partnership with them so I have a special link it'll be in the show notes that if you want to try you can use my link and you get a certain percentage off they also give tons of discounts and Um, you know, just, so just support, just support your local mental health initiatives. You can also seek out a therapist or a counselor, or even do like group therapy, as well as attend community mental health events. Doesn't just have to be in May, but it definitely should be like throughout the year. I, I actually have a mental health event that I'll be working May 20th here in St. Louis. So I will be posting, the flyers for that so there are a couple th- different things you can do just to stay active and up to date um with mental with the mental health awareness month but also to just remember like we should always be thinking about mental health so i kind of already started talking about it but you know my story mental health i have always struggled with situational depression I haven't struggled with it in the last couple of years, but when I was in college, I had got diagnosed with situational depression. And situational depression is exactly what it sounds like. When you go through major shifts in your life, you tend to get depressed. This is different from chronic depression, which is the most obvious depression Chronic depression is where is when you're constantly depressed. That's, that's what we think about when we think of people who are just not happy, which that's a whole other thing that we'll get into. But so situational depression is like, for me, like going to college really made me depressed because I felt like I was doing all of these things and nothing was working. Um, going to a wedding make the situation depression, situational depression can be Triggered in that way, um, starting a new job, moving, me being an entrepreneur, um, has definitely triggered some of those depressive episodes, and then I have the grief. So on top of dealing with situational depression, depression probably since well, I was diagnosed when I was fifteen, but I'm pretty sure situational depression started in like the seventh grade when I started to see my parents go through the divorce, um. I'm pretty sure that's when I first started to see these depressive episodes, but I wasn't diagnosed until 15 when my dad died. And so throughout my life, I struggle with that because most people don't even know what situational depression is. And then because I'm such a goofy person and I'm loving and I'm just so nice, people are like, you're not depressed because people have this stigma of depressed people look a certain way, depressed people, you know don't get up depressed people are dirty and like are in their bed for like seven days out the week you know but really depression looks like clutter you know like when you look at somebody like oh they're so dirty duh, 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 they're not dirty that's clutter because they don't even have the energy to clean i went through that i think at the beginning of last year in 2022 my house wasn't dirty, like I had bugs and stuff, but it was so cluttered. Clothes were everywhere piles of clothes, piles of paper, piles of this. When I first opened my building and I was trying to get like work with all these contractors, there were days where there were just stacks of paper on every single desk. And I had like eight desks over there. Sacks of paper on all the foldable tables. I had like five or six foldable tables. That is depression. That is being so overwhelmed. You have no energy to even be able to do basic things, right? Getting out of bed, working out, and not being able to take a shower because you don't even have the energy to do it. Being overstimulated. Now, that is something I've been struggling with lately is the overstimulation of just being around people, too much noise. I can't think straight and things of that nature. Then I have grief. Grief got to the point where like it made me not want to do anything, y'all. Like I did not want to do anything, okay? Um, and so I had to combat that because I had situational depression. And then during COVID, I got diagnosed with social anxiety. Um, where I was on medicine. I don't even remember the medicine I was on. It was a very, very baby dosage, and this was so cool that I'm gonna tell y'all about what I learned. So I was on this anxiety medicine for about a year okay and I didn't feel like it was working I didn't like my therapist at the time so at the time I had a therapist and a psychologist that was working with me to kind of help me figure this whole anxiety thing out it was um so my mom had died we had court and it, it took court two years to end and then COVID hit. And so there was a lot of anxiety. I was never able to adjust my grief. I was never able to be in a situation to where I could really um, even know what to do because everything just happened so fast. So my life was continuing to go because that's what happened when people die, right? Life goes on and you have to catch up with life because life is not stopping for you or the person who died. And so... I got severely anxious I also moved so not only am I going through all this I also up and moved across the country and so I'm taking the medicine I don't like my therapist I'm like what like I just don't like you like we're not we're not mat like matching like I don't like you so I decided I'm moving back to St. Louis so I had so during that time I had moved from St. Louis to New York and in New York I had this therapist and psychologist and the medical system was really cool out there. Um, yeah, the medical system was extremely cool out there. Then I decided to come back to St. Louis and I get a therapist through BetterHelp. I had stopped taking my anxiety medicine at the time. So I I was still taking my diabetic medicine. And then I would, at the time I was taking anxiety medicine, but I had actually stopped taking it. So I get to my therapist in St. Louis and I'm telling her about this. And so she was like, when you were taking your medicine, were you able to get out of bed? Were you able to do your day to day functions, like your day to day living activities? And I was like, actually, yeah, like I went from sleeping all the time to like I was able to get up and clean, brush my teeth and stuff like that. And so she was like, so that's the misconception. And I wish somebody would have explained it to you anxiety and even antidepressants are not happy pills they don't make you happy what they do is they were created to help you function as a normal human being or to your normal life setting so whereas you were sleeping all day every day and not really being social or going out it sound like the medicine actually helps you to go out of your room and talk to your family and go out and do things that you never actually that, that you had stopped doing. And I remember like when I didn't take my medicine, and I was living in New York and I was living with my aunt, she would say that. Like she would be like, I can tell when you don't take your medicine because you're a different person. I wasn't seeing that. But she was like, I can tell like you function differently. And so fast forward to this therapist and the therapist was like, Yeah, like it wasn't created to make you happy. It was created to make you function mind blown y'all because that was never explained to me because we're always taught that anxiety and antidepressant are happy pills they are not happy pills what they are is they're a resource to you to help you go back to functioning and just like i was only on it for a year you can too also too when it comes to medicine it takes six to eight weeks for your body to regulate to it so in the first two months you may not see it different it takes that long Think about it like this. If you're a woman and you're on birth control, they usually tell you it takes six weeks for your body to regulate. So be careful in those first six weeks. Mental health medicine is no different than that. Your body has to regulate to this foreign object that is now going into your body. Remember that. Your body is not used to having that foreign object because that's what the medicine is. It's a foreign object. So your body has to regulate itself in order for it to work. Even when you think about like CBD and even like smoking weed, it takes your body a few weeks to adjust to that, right? And so when I was taught when I was taught that antidepressants and anxiety medicine were not happy pills, it changed the game for me. Now I've been fortunate enough I have not had to get back onto medicine. But if I have to, I now have that piece of knowledge in my toolbox to know to give myself grace in the first six to eight weeks to know that I'm not always going to be happy, but to pay attention to how I function differently. Because it was created for you to go back to your day-to-day life. It wasn't created for you to be dependent on it. It wasn't created for you to be happy all the time. It was created so that you are no longer feeling those depressive episodes. It was created for you to feel normal again, whatever normal looks like to you. And so a lot of times, there's a lot of stigma with medicine right the thing about medicine is you don't have to stay on it forever if you don't like it stop taking it there are also other options westernized medicine is not the only medicine um, but also, too, like when it comes to taking antidepressants and anxiety medicine, there are other things that you should be doing, such as exercising, such as such as drinking water, such as going outside and being in the sun. Even if you are go outside and be in the sun for 10 minutes, being a kid again, we we took for granted what it was like being a child. We took for granted what it was like having the freedom to be who you are and just go outside with an imagination and playing with sticks and toys and stuff like that we want to go back to that and that will help our mental health okay so i do want to jump into like some of my depressive episodes and things like that like i feel like i'm throwing a lot of like facts and things at you so i definitely want to jump into like what i really want to talk to y'all about is like me being depressed and being depressed and being more depressed during relationships okay so I've been depressed I've dealt with grief I've been anxious and so what did that look like for me it was a lot of I wear my emotions on my sleeve so whereas I would be extremely happy I would come in and just kind of be I just kind of sucked the life out of everybody like there there was no life when it came to me being upset I cried a lot I isolated myself I go through phases where I do not want to be around anybody I don't want to talk to you I don't want anything to do with you um I eat a lot eating is a coping mechanism sex had a lot to do with it so finding A man who likes to have sex with me and utilizing that. Um trying to talk to people, but I become so overbearing that they get turned off by me. So like trying to call my friends and trying to like let them know what is going on and they get overwhelmed because I'm dumping so much on them. So then that makes me want to go back to being isolated again. And then I don't want to bother anybody because I'm a burden so navigating through that has been has been a journey okay i from my perspective the most i remember myself being depressed is during college and even grad school so if i think about college i was in college for five and a half years i think five years maybe i think it was five and a half but Um, I had a relationship in college that put me through the ringer and messed with my mental health and messed with who I was as a person and things of that nature. And so with that, like thinking about that, I remember like, I just felt stupid. I felt alone. I felt like I couldn't talk to anybody. I was never happy. I really lost myself in that and what, in what that ended up looking like, um, and even he, like, it got to a point where, like, he knew he was, like, cheating on me. He knew. Like, I was, he had stressed me out so bad. I had physically got sick. Like, my my stress manifested into, like, a physical illness. And he knew he was doing it to me. And it got to a point where, like, okay, you getting sick because of me. And then it turned into him blaming me. Like, well, you could leave. You could just do that. You could just blah, 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 blah. And then, and it turned into... I don't even like you no more because of how you be acting. I don't even like you no more because you always stick. Like, you always do this and even know it was him. And he knew that, but it was easier to project. And so, I remember that. I remember when we broke up, I cried. Everything I cried about. I remember prior to college, we had broke up. We were in high school. And I was crying about it. I think I told my mom and we had a lot of friends over and there's an Applebee's right up the street from us. And I remember my mom taking me and my friends to Applebee's and the song started playing and I, the tears just started to roll down. What I didn't know at that time was that I was grieving a relationship because I was pretty young. I was like 16 or 17 at the time. <coughs> Excuse me. I was 16 or 17 at the time. And so I didn't know anything about grief. I don't think my parents knew about grief. And of course, my friends wouldn't have known anything about grief. And instead of being able to just cry about it and talk about it, because a lot of times when it comes to breakup, there's other fish in the sea, there's this, there's that, blah, 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 blah. But we really do grieve relationships, and we grieve certain things. And so that sent me into a downward spiral, because I felt like I couldn't talk about it. I felt like I was being judged. I felt like I was constantly hiding. It was just so much that was going on with that. And then, fast forward to college, me and him were on and off for years. And to the point where, like, (coughs) to the point where, like, I just got to the point where I really just didn't know what to do. So, severely depressed. Severely depressed. Okay. Um, And that's when I learned about. Situational depression, and so for me, it looked like I became really, really busy to keep myself distracted. So my schedule was filled from the moment I woke up to the moment I laid down. I was working all these jobs. I was just being really, really unhealthy. I was eating Chick Fil A every day. I was eating ice cream every day. I was like not drinking enough water. There was no nutrition's value. Like. I wasn't eating any vegetables, any fruits, anything. Like, I was using coping mechanisms. And then, because of everything we were going through, if he offered to have sex with me, like, I would have sex with him. So, I'm just literally hurting myself over and over. All of that has to do with depression because I felt so empty. So, I'm doing all these things to try to feel fulfilled and I'm not. I realized at a really young age that the men I date, I have to be picky about because I oftentimes find myself severely depressed in relationships. For one, I haven't ever dated a man that actually likes me. That's for one. A lot of times I get men who like me, who are interested. We talk, low key. We kind of fall in love fairly fast. Like it comes, it it becomes a thing where like, like oh, you're this great girl. Da 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 da. But the thing about me is like, I'm such, I, especially back then, I lacked so many boundaries. So they get excited. Oh, she does this, she does that, she does that, and so they take and take and take and take and take, and then they don't pour anything back into me. And so that has happened with almost every man that I've ever dated they take and take and take and take and then they don't pour anything back into me and so what that does to me is my cup gets empty so I fall into depression because I feel like okay we're in this relationship but you don't like me you don't like who I am you don't like anything about me I'm serving you I'm doing all this stuff but like when you gonna love me back and so that turns into I become isolated I become very quiet so like whereas like I'm kind of like the life of the party like real loud real goofy always laughing always around people always I start to drift into my own world and when I have these conversations with these men like hey this is my expectation I expect to go out on dates I expect for us to have a social life I expect for us to do things together and if you can't even show me that you can show up for me then I'm not going to be happy I thrive off a face-to-face and community so if as my man you are not doing that it's never going to work I also need a man who is going to help like feed into me like pour into me don't just take and take and take and take and so as I'm turning 32 this year realizing that I have to be very 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 careful on who I date because from a young age it was taken from me it was so much was taken from me to the point where, like, as I got older, I had nothing left to give. And so with friends, with men, I have to be around people who pour into me. I have to be around people who um, I have to be around people who understand who I am. Because the thing about me is I'm always going to try to understand you and meet you where you're at. And so I need people to do the same thing essentially essentially and so as I was going through these episodes and talking to doctors and talking to therapists like I've been an advocate in therapy like all the reason why I'm not in therapy right now is because I literally can't afford it um but like going to therapy and figuring out like how do I fix myself like how do I do this how like I don't want to be person no more I don't want to keep running into the same people I don't want to keep like running into men who don't like me like how men can sit up here and not like you and still play in your face is something I'll never understand you know and even with friends like y'all want to be friends but y'all don't want to do nothing together all y'all want to do is party and drink and that's just not who I am like why do I always have to go to a party when I don't even like going to parties like I like to go to coffee shops I like to go to brunch I like to go get my nails done like be a friend to me you know and then it's like not even about spending money I don't ask for a lot of things. I just ask you to show up. And so when I feel isolated and when I feel alone, that affects my mental health because I know I show up for people and I know I show up in good spirit and I show up doing what I have to do for the people I love, right? So it's taking a lot of boundaries. It's taking a lot of shedding people away. It's taking a lot of not always making the plans. Not always reaching out. It's taking a lot of hard conversations. One of the things that I do in my depressive episodes is I shut down, especially with men. Especially with men, like I don't want to keep having the same conversation with you. Or if I don't feel heard, I won't speak. Or if I feel overtalked, or if I feel like you're really just not listening, I just I I won't speak at all. Um, I've had a guy that I've talked to have like said that like I don't like when you shut down because I'm trying to help you and you're not letting me in And you know part of that is feeling safe And so I have to tell people like I have to feel safe around you to open up Like if you have never proved that you can be there for me My my body and soul does not feel safe and these are the same folks that have um Overpromise and underperformed. There are some people now that I know I can't ask you for help because you're always late to something, you know. And so all of that affects my mental health and all of that has taken a lot of therapy, has taken a lot of hard conversations. It's taken hard conversations with myself, with my therapist, with my family, and with the people close to me because some of it isn't even there like, hey, I don't want you to be in my life, but this is where I'm at right now. Like, We need to fix this. We need to figure this out. And so that's how I'm able to be comfortable in who I am right now. I have been healthy enough to not have had a depressive episode recently um actually no 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 no. i had a depressive episode in march actually actually i forgot about that um and i'm not going to go into detail because it's kind of still fresh but i had a depressive episode in march and i actually had reached out to a couple people and the conversation literally was like i don't want to talk about this right now can we talk about it in the morning or I told you I didn't want to talk about it, but you keep going. And so now I haven't really spoke to any of those folks because my emotions were dismissed at the time and nobody ever made an effort into trying to fix it. And again, that's in that boundary. Like, you know what? I tried to tell y'all you didn't want to hear it. That's perfectly fine. Maybe we're not meant to be in each other's life and being okay with that. But that sent me into a downward spiral to where I was probably isolated for about four weeks That's what I really started working out. I met my friend Carmen and we started to connect and we tag team off of each other. She does like the physical health. I do the mental health and we really tag team off of each other. And so mental health has been interesting. I want to say this and then, uh, you know, because I feel like we've been here for a while and I don't want to sound like a broken record. But when it comes to your mental health journey, don't feel ashamed about it. It's your journey. When it comes to your mental health journey, if you have a diagnosis, if you don't have one now but have had one in the past, if it kind of goes in and out, that's okay. If you've had to set boundaries and you feel uncomfortable, that's okay. If you had to feel alone and you've had to feel that like nobody loves you, own that and be honest with yourself and speak that. It's hard to feel safe when you're constantly hurt. That is something at the age of 32 I'm struggling with. I've constantly felt let down, you know, and that could say something about me. And if it does, I have to deal with that. You know, if you are on the opposite end and you're the person dealing with somebody with a mental health illness, first things first, set boundaries. Because you don't want to take on their mental health issues. Set those boundaries. But also, to do don't assume that everybody needs advice. Just be there for when they need you. And if you can't be there, let that be known. And then again, set boundaries. Do not take on other people's issues, okay? So what is mental health? It is your overall condition of your well-being. What is mental health awareness? It is bringing the attention to what mental health does to your well-being. What is mental health illness? It is the actual diagnosis of an illness that you may have in the psychological or emotional realm okay I love you guys I hope that you can be as honest in your story as I was today I hope that you take this and you go support a mental health initiative I hope you start on your mental health journey if you have not already I hope that you find a support system for your mental health journey but also to I hope that you love you the way you love the world because you deserve it life is hard so let's just try to make it a little bit easier if we can okay guys i love you and i'll catch you next monday All right, so you are now about to hear our affirmation. I want to give you an affirmation to carry for the week. So from Monday to Monday, you at least have an affirmation that you are repeating to yourself every day. She got faith. Listen, we want to give you affirmation to get through the week. So enjoy. welcome to episode 69's affirmation and so today's affirmation is i will honor my mind body and soul and listen when my body speaks i know i've kind of said this in different ways throughout the last couple of weeks but i think it's really important especially with talking about mental health is honoring your mind body and soul And so if you have an ache in your body, if your headache is hurting, if you're feeling sad, if you're not feeling fulfilled, listen to your body when it speaks. Your body is talking to you. Um, I recently had a friend who was working 12 hour shifts and her body was constantly talking to her and it forced her to sit down and lay down. Mm. My body recently got sick and has been sick every month in 2023. And I got to the point where I realized my body was talking to me. My body needed to feel safe enough to rest. My body was forcing me to sit down. Your body will talk to you. Let me tell you something about the body. The body knows what to do. It is us that go in there and tell the body what to do. The body knows how to function. We need to make our nervous system feel at peace. that is is such a big thing when our nervous system is nice and healthy our immune system is nice and healthy when our nervous system is nice and healthy our bodies feel better mental health, physical, emotional health, health all work together so it really is a holistic process that we have to do so listen to your body honor yourself Give yourself that space to be safe enough to rest. I love you guys. Love you the way you love the world. All right, we have came to the end of our show. I really appreciate you for listening and sticking with us and coming every Monday at 3 p.m. Central to hang out with us. I appreciate you guys. I can't thank you enough to my listeners, followers, everybody, friends, family who loves and believes everything that I'm doing. I really, really thank you from the bottom of my heart. I love you, but I always want you to remember to love you the way you love the world. And I'll catch you next Monday. Bye, guys.